Isn't that amazing? She can't speak a word, and yet can sing like that. Incredible. John chapter 14 this morning. John chapter 14 this morning. John chapter 14. I appreciate the words of that song after I saw all these children stand that don't have parents that bring them to church. And I thought that song followed that there are no orphans with God. And uh, I don't know about you, but my heart was broken when I saw that. And, and the fact that they don't have parents that will take them to church. And uh, this morning we were in our Sunday school class and I was... Uh, we went over the Lord's Prayer just, just quickly and, and talked to the kids about prayer and we took some prayer requests for our class and uh, things, we started with things we were thankful for, what to thank the Lord for. And one little girl said, I got, I, my dad came over to visit me this week. Well, isn't that sad that your dad has to visit you? And uh, these kids, we had, a, we had a happy accident last week where one of our bus workers, we have a, we have children that come to Sunday school. We have children that come to master clubs. We have some that come to both. But a lot of them can't come to both because if they come to master clubs on Thursday night, they're over at dad's house on Sunday. So many broken families. They're not in the same place. But by way of happy accident, one of our bus workers called the wrong list for Sunday. They called the master clubs list, the Thursday night list for Sunday. And a lot of the kids said, you mean we can come to Sunday school too? We said, absolutely. And so we had a record attendance last Sunday in Sunday school. The classes were overflowing, and it was wonderful. I think they said they had 51 children in junior church. And so that opened our eyes and said, well, maybe there are some more that we can reach. And praise the Lord for it. But pray for these young ones. I, I, you know, if, if we don't reach them and get them grounded, it's not just about giving them the gospel. They need to be grounded in the truth, or else that devil will steal that seed away real quick because they have nothing at home to encourage them. So pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. I felt like we heard a message already this morning. Praise the Lord for it, and I thank Brother Baker for sharing his heart with us. It, it helped me and encouraged me. John chapter 14, John chapter 14, we're looking at portraits of Christ and just working through the book of John. And uh, we've, uh, this is our 20th message this morning in the book of John. And John chapter 14, we're gonna look at Jesus, our comfort. Jesus, our comfort. How many of you could use a little comfort from time to time? I don't know about you. I, 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 when, I, when I see what's going on with the kids, my heart breaks, and, and I need that kind of comfort. I need comfort also when I turn on the news and I get angry. I need to be brought down a little bit sometimes. And I find that God's comforting spirit doesn't just lift us, but he also, he also brings peace in a world of chaos. And so some of you today, it, it, it's very likely, uh, you've been saved a long time and the Holy Spirit of God has indwelt you and seals you and, and, and I, I've been by a lot of bedsides. I was, I was encouraged this week, I actually was, uh, Jennifer had emailed and, and let us know about her mom and I don't even know at that time if she knew what was going on other than she'd been taken to the hospital and, and uh, I was actually traveling back from a meeting and I was just 15 minutes from Branford Hospital and I said, I'll go right now and I went over there and I wanted to encourage Mr. and Mrs. Melvin and I sat beside Mrs. Melvin's bedside and we had a good conversation and I came away, she encouraged me. You know, Christians often can deal with the stress and the low points in life because the Spirit of God is in us. 
And we, we take things in stride. And, and both Mr. and Mrs. Melvin had a smile on their face. And they both were in, encouraged about some things, even though they were facing this, this trial that has come into their life. And, and, and a lot of Christians are like that. I'm thankful that I can go to a funeral home and hear laughter. I don't mean in a disrespectful way, but I mean in a, a genuine way that there is a peace and a joy, uh, a peace that passes understanding because Christ is there and giving comfort. But I think in this day and age we live in, I said earlier, it's a world of chaos. It's a world God mad. We need some peace, not just comfort, but a comforting peace in our life as well. We are concerned about a lot of things that have been stirred up around this globe. And so read with me in John chapter 14, the Lord Jesus Christ was about to die on a cross. He told the disciples it was time for Him to leave. For many, many years, for three and a half years now, Jesus has been preparing His disciples for this moment. And now we enter the last week of His life. The book of John is unlike the other books of the, of the Gospels simply because the book of John from chapter 14 on, or really chapter 11 on, when Christ makes his triumphal entry, is all about the last week of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have 10 chapters that cover three and a half years, and we have another 10 or 11 chapters that cover just one week. And Jesus has been actively preparing these disciples. And when I say disciples, I don't believe it's just the 12, but there were some ladies that were following and there was other people. You'll remember that when Jesus sent out his disciples to preach and teach, he sent out 70 on that occasion. There were many that were followers of Jesus Christ. These 12 that we call disciples or later on apostles are the, the inner circle, those ones that he prayed with and fellowshiped with and leaned upon. And he's preparing them and he wants to give them some comfort. And I will say this, the comfort that the Lord Jesus Christ was offering, I don't believe necessarily it was because of his death. The Lord Jesus Christ's death would be absolutely horrific. The Bible talks about how the disciples scattered and fled that night, but then some of them followed from afar off. And they watched those scenes unfolding. You remember the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary looked down to the disciples and said, Behold your mother, behold your son. So at least some were there at the cross of Calvary. And that was a terrible thing to witness, and I'm sure it was heart-wrenching and grieving, but they would only suffer for three days and then find an empty tomb. I think what the Lord Jesus Christ was really preparing them for was, I'm about to leave this earth. He says in chapter 16, we'll look at the verse in a minute, is expedient for you that I go. I'm about to leave this earth and in just a few days I'll die on a cross and I'll be buried in a grave, but 50 days from now, or 40 days from now, I'll ascend to my Father. And when Jesus Christ left this earth, the world began to unravel all over again. Chaos began to ensue. Sin began to abound once again. I think that's typical of the revivals that we see throughout the ages. A revival will come and can, uh, turn a town upside down. It might even alter an entire county or country. But within just a few years, it seems like we're plunged back into darkness. That is the nature of man's sin. How many times in the Bible do we see that Israel would 
plunge into darkness and they get caught up in their sin or idolatry and the Bible says the, the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people Israel and then God would send a prophet and there would be a revival and they'd get back on a high for a little while and then they'd plunge back into darkness. We don't blame Israel any more than we blame ourselves for we are the same sin nature that we carry about. We're all the same. So I believe the Lord Jesus Christ more than just preparing them for his, his death He was preparing them for life without his physical presence. The persecution that would follow, the mockery, the imprisonments, the beheadings, the crucifixions, the whippings. You understand that grief is something that we will pass through and certainly we need God's Holy Spirit and we need His comfort during those times, but those disciples were going to need Christ more than ever when they're being stoned and cast into prisons and dragged before councils to give an answer. That's when they would need His comfort and His peace. John chapter 14, the Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we're humbled by what we've already heard. To sing how great thou art. It just doesn't seem like it's something that's worthy to come out of our lips. Thank you, Lord, that you've allowed us to worship you and praise you today. Thank you, Lord, for the little challenge we've already heard about the ministry to our children in this church and those children that were without parents that go to church. And Father, we pray that you would help us to understand that we have to be that example for them if they don't have a mom or a dad that will live for Christ. So Father, we pray that you'd help us to take those things to heart today. Father, help us now for the next few minutes to focus upon the Word of God. The scripture that you've put before us, Lord, would you honor yourself, be glorified through it. But Lord, teach us what it really means that you will give us comfort. And Father, we'll give you thanks and praise as you fill me with thy Holy Spirit and I surrender to you and may you use me today. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to look at verse 16 of our chapter this morning, if you'll direct your attention there for a moment. The Bible says, and I will pray, Jesus Christ is speaking, the author is recording the words of Christ. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. I want you to notice the Lord Jesus Christ did not say he shall give you a comforter, but he will give you another comforter. I don't believe when The Bible uses the word another, it's speaking as a substitute word. Sometimes we use the word another like it's a substitute, don't we? Mr. Baker, if you were to drive out of the parking lot today and totally demolish your car, 
you would turn to your wife and say, well, I guess we're going to have to get another car. It means a substitute or a replacement. I don't believe the Holy Spirit was ever meant to replace Jesus Christ. But when I see the word another, we can use it in another sense. I believe it means in addition to. When I first came here to the church, we only had one vehicle. We had a van that we had driven on deputation and driving around, but I knew very quickly that in order for me to be able to do my job and my wife be able to take care of the kids and their needs and and homeschooling and getting them to their jobs and to work and all the rest, if I was ever going to have a car, I was going to need another car, meaning in addition to. And with that in mind, this verse and I think that's what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to us I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter I won't be here in physical presence any longer you can still come boldly to the throne room of grace and there I am seated at the right hand of the Father I will never leave you nor forsake you and as we read about the life of of that first deacon Stephen we know that Stephen stood up as he was being stoned and the Bible says he looked up into the heavens and there was Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father Jesus is still giving comfort even after he ascended into glory but Jesus in addition to the presence of Jesus Christ in our life and the promise that where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. He says, I'm going to give you another comforter. In addition to the presence of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. But the fact that Jesus Christ said another implies that there was a first. How many of you know that you can't have another until you have one? Uh, That's just poor math. Jesus Christ invented mathematics, by the way. And so he knows how to do math. And so when he said another comforter, he was implying that there is a comforter here right now. It is himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is our comfort. The Lord Jesus Christ one day was in Luke chapter 4. Matter of fact, you can turn there with me if you'd like. Luke chapter 4. The Lord Jesus Christ had just come out of temptation The Bible says in verse 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, being uh, being 40 days tempted of the devil. Those 40 days, Jesus fasted and prayed. The Bible says in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were after, ended, he afterward hungered. I don't know about you, it wouldn't take 40 days for me. But the Lord Jesus Christ, after 40 days, must have been physically weak. He had laid aside his glory to become flesh. And then the devil tempted him. And the Bible says after Jesus defeated all three of the devil's temptations by using Scripture, it says in verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. You'll notice the difference. In verse 4, he was, in chapter 4, verse 1, he was full of the Holy Ghost. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. But now in verse 14, after going through some trials a little bit, being filled with the Holy Ghost, he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then the Bible says, as he returned into Galilee in verse 15, he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And let me read it from Isaiah, chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, he hath sent me to 
bind the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn. The book of Luke says the Lord Jesus Christ was handed the scrolls and he opened up to the book of Isaiah. And he read that very passage from Isaiah chapter 61. And then the Bible says in verse 20 of chapter 4. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. What power the Lord Jesus, just just remember this. He just came back in the power of the Spirit of God. Think about this. This was not any normal Bible reading. This wasn't some minister getting up in some dry, dusty denomination and just reading the scripture with that. You ever heard those preachers that that get their voice really low? Well, bless God, we're glad that you're here this morning. And they read the scripture in that tenor? No, this was somebody that was filled with the Holy Ghost of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he read, nobody could take their eyes off him. And they followed him back to his seat. And Jesus sat down, and I I, I can just imagine the little smile on his face. And he sat there, and he says, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Today's the day. But what did that prophecy say about him? That he would bind the brokenhearted, and he would comfort all that mourn. Jesus is our comfort. Jesus is our comfort. I want you to notice some things this morning that we see in the scripture. If you'll turn back to John chapter 14, that'll be our springboard, if you will, into the rest of the Bible. But I want you to notice, first of all, the path to comfort. The path to comfort. Have you ever felt like you're out of touch with the Lord? You ever felt like the Lord's just not hearing your prayer and you just don't know that, that peace inside that the Bible talks about? You ever wonder why we get so low or we get so angry or we get so stirred up? We don't seem to have any peace in our lives. I want, I want to tell you this morning, the Bible indicates very clearly that there's a path to comfort. There's a path to comfort. There's a, a directive in the Word of God that we must take if we want to find this comfort. If we want to embrace what the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, you need to understand this. Uh, There's a lot of benefits to knowing the Lord, and comfort is not the least of them. It's an important thing that we find this path. Notice verse 1 with me, if you will. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. The Lord Jesus Christ is striving to give the disciples some comfort. He's preparing them for the horrible things that are about to happen in the next week. But he's also, I believe, preparing them for a life without the physical presence of Jesus Christ on this earth. And so he's, he says to them, let not your earth be troubled. The, the, the precept or the, the, the thing that he is accomplishing in this chapter is, I want to give you some peace. That's why it starts that way. That is the context. Let not your heart be troubled. But the important phrase is really the next. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
You see, this path to comfort comes only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. These disciples had long believed in God. They were all Jewish men. They had, many of them were religious men and they had put their faith in God and they believed in God and God called them out and Jesus Christ said, you believed in Him. That's a statement, you believe in God, but now here's the command, believe also in me. Have a relationship with me. If you want to have comfort, if you're going to get through this next week, if you're going to have an impact for Christ in a world that has gone crazy, you need to believe in me as well. You need to have a relationship with me. Now look at what the Bible says, jump down to verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now how many of you know when he says the word love, he's talking about a relationship? Do you understand that? That, That's what he's talking about. He's talking about having a relationship. Do you love me? Have a relationship with me? We're commanded to love our enemies and we're commanded to love the brethren and we're commanded to love a lot of people. But let's be very honest, we love those the most that we have a relationship with. Isn't that true? We hear on the news of a tragedy. We, we heard just again the other night that a university in Tennessee, somebody got angry. I found out after because they were playing a game. And it didn't go their way, so they shot two or three people. Are you kidding me? That's an immature response, wouldn't you think? But we hear about these killings, and we hear about this, this bus that had a head-on collision over in Europe, and, and 40 people were killed, and, and we go, oh, isn't that terrible? Isn't that sad? But when we find out it's somebody that's related to us, it's a whole different thing, isn't it? So when the Bible talks about this love, it's talking about a relationship. There's a greater love when there's a relationship. So he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Notice the next word, and. The word and connects things. It means that Jesus isn't finished speaking yet. He says, if you love me, if you have a relationship with me, Keep my commandments, obey me, so love me, obey me, and what's he say next? I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. What the scripture is saying to us this morning is that in order to find the path to comfort, it comes only through having a relationship with Jesus Christ. I think I've told you about this before, but several years ago, I preached a message on a Sunday morning following a Saturday funeral. The title of my message was The Funeral Home Hallway. On one side of that hallway we were meeting because Miss Madeline Patterson had gone home to be the Lord after a life well lived of serving God. Mrs. Patterson had been saved, uh, led to the Lord personally by Oswald J. Smith. Have you ever heard that name before? And her husband, uh, Pat, Patterson or Howard Patterson, they always called him Pat because of his last name. He used to he used to take care of all their outreaches downtown. He would preach on the streets and he'd bring men into the homeless shelters and get them a shower and preach the gospel. Great soul winner. He'd stand on the corners and play his accordion and sing, and then he'd draw a crowd, then he'd preach to them. That doesn't work today. People don't like the accordion anymore. But that's what they would do. I mean, these were wonderful servants of God. And we were over there, and we were with this lady, and and her family was there, and church family was there, and we were reminiscing, and we were smiling, and we were happy. But right across the hallway on the other side of that funeral home was an 18-year-old girl that had taken her own life. And the people in that room were screaming and angry. 
There were times where we'd have to close our doors because of the noise filtering over of people going up to the casket and swearing and cussing and angry and said, why did you do this? You are so selfish and angry. One side had the Spirit of God. One side had a relationship with Jesus Christ and understood what it was to experience the peace of God. But this, this, this group and this family and these friends on the other side, and by the way, because she was 18, there was hundreds of people that would filter through by the hour, and we call it paying our respects, but they really weren't respectful. Angry and cussing, but they knew not Jesus Christ. Not only was that the cause of her death, but it was the cause of their anger. They knew not peace without the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says this, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds, does anybody know the next three words? Through Christ Jesus. I think a lot of times we quote scripture and we, we don't always get all the words in there. I remember one time Brother Rust uh, I, had, I had just come on summer staff in 1992, and, and that year was the year Dr. Strachan had, was retiring, and uh, he'd had prostate surgery, so he was laid up, and there was, there were, I mean, some of the staff were leaving because Pastor Strachan had encouraged the next pastor to hire his own staff, and so Brother Simmermaker was on the way out, and, and Brother Rust was going off to Peterborough, and, and so there wasn't a lot of staff left, and so they, they hired me to help out just keep up with things, and, and so it was Brother Eugene App and I most of the summer. But just that few weeks that Brother Rust and I overlapped, I remember uh, t- talking about uh, uh, Brother Rust and he was getting ready to go off and, and, and he was a little bit nervous and, and things. And so he started handing things over to me and he says, listen, uh, Brother Fury, he says, I've got to start preparing for my, my next move and, I, and I'm going off and he says, you're going to take my class. I said, Okay. And so we spent a lot of time working together and praying together about that and, and uh, he gave me the bulletin to do. He says, on the front of the bulletin, he says, our verse for this month is, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He says, can you do up something nice that has it? And I said, absolutely. And so I got a bulletin cover out, a piece of paper, and, and, and I got on the computer back then. Computers weren't like they are now, and, and tried to figure out how to do all that. And, and I got that verse on there, and we printed them all off. And Sunday morning, he looked at that verse, and he says, uh, Al? I said, what's wrong? He says, I guess you don't know how to use the photocopier or what. He says, I'm not sure. He says, maybe get Donna to help you. He says, but the scripture says I can do all things. It cut off through Christ. And he said, you know what? I'm going to preach on that this morning. He says, I'm going to preach. He says, that's, that's a great message. He says, that's the way we think. We, get, we look at the scripture and say, isn't that wonderful? I can do all things. And we leave Christ out. And he did. He preached a great message to the teens that morning about thinking we can do all things without Christ. No, it's the relationship that makes the difference. And if we want to have comfort, Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus Matthew chapter 11, turn there if you will with me. Keep your finger in John chapter 14. Matthew chapter 11, look there. Matthew 
Matthew chapter 11, the Bible says in verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's two types of rest that we find here in the Bible. The Bible first talks about rest for those that are labor and heavy laden. Those that are tired, those that are burdened, those that are distressed, come to me and you'll find rest. And secondly, he talks about those who need rest for their souls. Those that are struggling spiritually and battling. But I want you to notice the prerequisite to all of this spiritual refreshment that we find in the Lord Jesus Christ, this comfort to the soul. The Bible says, come unto me. Come unto the Lord Jesus. You must have a relationship with him. Come to The path of comfort is not just something that is thrown out there. Jesus says, come unto me. You'll find peace that passes understanding through Christ Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Listen, if you want comfort and peace in this day and age that we live in, friends, you must come to the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 9 is a, is a great verse of Scripture. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word cleanse is talking about a father that is cleansing the wound of his child and speaking comfort to him. But do you know who that was written to? 1 John was written to the elect, to those that know Jesus Christ. I started researching this, and I could be honest with you this morning. I will be honest with you this morning. I could go on for hours just giving the scripture that says, if you have a relationship with me, I'll give you comfort and peace. I could go on for hours. There were hundreds of scriptures that I found and explored. I've just given you four this morning. The path to peace is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. I find it peculiar how many use the Lord Jesus Christ as a fallback plan. They considered him to be the solution at the end of a 911 call. Isn't it good to know that the Lord is there if we need him? You always need him. You need a relationship with him on a daily basis. So many people call on the Lord Jesus Christ like they call the fire department, only when it's blazing out of control. Friends, enter into that relationship now and know the comfort of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see, secondly, this morning, not only the path to comfort, but the price of comfort. The price of comfort. Do you know that the benefit that you seek is not free? It costs something to have the peace of God. Consider that last verse we looked at. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You say, boy, I desire that kind of peace. I want to be free from sin. But it costs Jesus his life. In order for Christ to offer you forgiveness, he first had to satisfy the law of God. There was a justice that was demanded. There was a debt to be paid. The wages of sin is death. And until that was fulfilled by Christ on the cross of Calvary, he couldn't offer us forgiveness. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He now has it within his power to comfort us and to free us from sin. The price of comfort. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53, this famous prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ that we read of. 
Isaiah chapter 53. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Look at this next verse. Surely he hath borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. That's the price of forgiveness. That's the price of this comfort, this peace. Let's be honest, the thing that plagues us most in this world is our own sin. Is that lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, it is that battle to keep that carnal man under subjection. It is that war that we have within and the price of forgiveness to be set free from our sins is he was wounded for our transgressions. Read on. The Bible says he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the price of forgiveness. I want you to notice in this passage, we also see the price of healing. One of many burdens that we have in life and the time that we need comfort is often in a hospital room. When we get bad news from a doctor, when we find out that, that our life is shorter than we thought it might be, the Bible says this, by, our stri- by his stripes, we are healed. I don't know necessarily that that's always speaking of a physical healing. But this I know. One thing have I desired of, Psalm chapter 27, verse 14, that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We are promised healing and deliverance from this body. This mortal shall put on immortality, and this, 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 this flesh shall put on. Uh, or, what, what's the other one I'm looking for? I can't think of it all of a sudden. This mortal shall put on immortality. Our bodies, this, this, this temple of clay is going to rust and we're going to put on a mansion of gold. God is going to give us a glorified body. By his stripes we are healed. That's the price of healing. Then we see the price of his Holy Spirit in John chapter 16. I want you to notice this scripture with me. If you've kept your finger in John 14, just turn over a page. And the Bible says in verse 7, of chapter 16, nevertheless I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. What is the price of his Holy Spirit? Jesus had to die. He had to leave this earth in order that his Holy Spirit would come and indwell us and seal us and keep us under the day of redemption. That is the price of comfort. The promise of his comforting spirit indwelling us, sealing us under the day of redemption and promise to never leave us nor forsake us comes with a price tag attached. The death of our Savior. You know, we often take for granted all that Jesus Christ does for us on a daily basis. 
We need to understand today that he alone is able to bind the brokenhearted. I'll be honest with you, I don't know how much comfort it gives when we walk into a funeral home and we say they're there. We're praying for you. Trying to encourage people. Saying some kind things while they were a wonderful person. I don't know how much those words encourage. The actual prayers would encourage. They would actually help. But I do know this. He can bind the brokenhearted. He gave his life to perform that ministry. To bind the brokenhearted and to comfort all that mourn. The price of comfort. I want you to see finally this morning and very quickly the particulars of comfort. Look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We come back to our text and we see how Christ comforts us. The particulars of our comfort. First of all, he comforts us through our faith. He comforts through our faith. Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe? Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. A lot of people believe in fate. Que sera, sera, whatever shall be, shall be. Whatever's going to happen, I'm just, I just believe in fate. There's no comfort in that. Where is fate's throne? Where is fate's promises to deliver? When does fate come in and bind the brokenhearted and comfort all that mourn? Some say, I believe in a higher power. But they're not talking about God. Some say they believe in self. I'm a strong-willed individual and I can get through anything. I, 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 I'm not phased by these things. Problem is, none of those things have the ability to comfort. But having faith in Jesus does. He comforts through our faith. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. There, there's a heresy that exists today that God is impersonal. That he set the world in motion, then stepped away and let it unravel on its own. That there's no caretaking on his behalf, but nothing could be further from the truth. The truth is this, many put their trust in God for salvation, and then they leave all of their cares to be handled by themselves, instead of casting all their cares upon him. You want proof that Jesus Christ is a personal God that cares for you? He sent his son into this dark and dying world pay the price for our sins. He comforts for, through our faith. He comforts through our future. Look at verse two of chapter 14. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Years ago, I, I know I've told you about our friends, the Ketchums, Lloyd and Mrs. Ketchum, and they were just great people, and they'd come to our church on Sunday nights, and I, I really enjoyed them coming. They lived in a home, and they, could, uh, they had their church on a Sunday morning, but they, it didn't have a Sunday evening service, so they'd walk down to ours. They lived in a, a, a senior's apartment, and they'd walk down to our church, and they were well into their 80s, and, and uh, they seemed like they were in great health and all the rest, and and I, I enjoyed having them come because they'd sit right about where Brother Wilson is, right there on the right side, about five rows back, right dead in the middle every week. And they'd cheer for me like I was a baseball player or something. It was wonderful. I mean, I, she'd get her little fist up like this and she'd go, Amen! Amen! It was like stabbing a knife in something. 
She just gets so excited. Amen, amen, amen. And just, I heard that little squeak all the time, and I knew she was cheering me on. And I'd see him going like this. He'd have that big grin on his face, and he'd be going, just, just cheering me on. Man, it was great to preach to people. It just, it just soaked it up. Well, one day I got a call that Brother Ketchum went home to be with the Lord. Just that morning, he, he was going to a meeting somewhere, uh, a, a men's breakfast, and he just said, I got a little chill. I'm going to take a warm bath before I go. And he got in the tub, and he just died. The Lord took him home. Three weeks later, Mrs. Ketchum went to the doctor to get something checked out, and the doctor says, you've got terrible cancer. It's all through you. We're surprised you haven't had problems before now. He says, you don't have very long. And her daughter told me this. She turned to me and she smiled big. And she says, won't dad be surprised to see me so soon? It didn't phase her at all. It's like, you can't threaten me with heaven. It didn't bother her. Our friend Minnie Pearl got pancreatic cancer. We went down to see her, and we were saying goodbye to her. And as we were going out, Ida went up to give her a hug, and she, Ida was crying. And she says, don't cry at my party. I'm going home. This is a celebration. What do people do when they have no hope of a future? When you come to the crossing of that river, what are you going to do? But we have a future. God comforts us in knowing that there's a heaven beyond. That we can be encouraged. Can, can, you, can you imagine? Can you imagine with me this morning receiving that terrible news without the hope of heaven? It sustains us. I like this song. Brother Strachan actually sang it. It's been one of my favorites for years. He sang it while he was here. And one of the verses says this. Sometimes when I'm dreaming... It comes as no surprise that if you look, you'll see that homesick feeling in my eyes because I'm headed home, home where I belong. I heard this song years ago too, and it's become one of my favorites. I'm sure most of you have heard it. The verse says, a penny for your thoughts, I said to the old man, as he sat there on the park bench all alone. With silver hair and wrinkled brow, eyes gleaming, he smiled and said, just thinking about my home. I sat down and we shared some laughs together in the cinema of remembrance it did roll. We talked about life's gains and its losses. But mostly, he just talked about his home. I said, tell me, old man, where's your home and what's it like? He said, oh, ain't nothing around here can compare. You see, a king had it built and gave the deed to me. And all my family's already there. The chorus says, he said, I'm thinking about home. Thinking about going home. Dreaming about leaving here. I'm ready to be moving on. It won't be long before the sun will set and I'll be gone. But until then, I'll be thinking about home. What a wonderful blessing to know that heaven is our home. We are comforted with our faith and we are comforted through our future. Paul said this, the apostle in Philippians chapter 1, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what, what I shall choose I wot not, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. What a wonderful thought. Thirdly, he comforts us through our foundation. Verse 6, the Bible says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, no man cometh unto the Father by me. Aren't you glad today that you can trust in something that's real? You can trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, 
and the life. Thomas had some doubts. Christ said, let not your heart be troubled. And one of the things he was comforting with, we find in verse 4, and whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said, Lord, how can we know? How do we know the way? And he said, because I am the way. Hey, that's your foundation today. If you're basing your life upon works, you'll never know if you've done enough to go to heaven. There's no comfort in that. If you're basing your life upon the church, being a good person, giving to a charity, walking old ladies across the street, you'll never know if you've done enough. But you can have comfort if you rest in Jesus Christ today. He is the way, the truth, and life. And finally, he comforts through our Father. Look at what it says in verse 7. If he had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. You see, when we meet Jesus, we meet the Father. Now I can go boldly in the throne room of grace. Something changed the moment Jesus tore down that wall of partition. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. No man comes to the Father but by me, but if you've met me, you've met the Father. What a comfort to know that when, I, when I'm burdened, I'm not going to a priest. I don't have to go to a man. I, I know the Bible says we are to bear one another's burdens, but you know the truth is, I don't have to put it on a prayer list. I don't have to come to you and ask you to pray. I can go bully the throne room of grace all by myself. And I can fall upon my face before my holy God and I can plead with him as Jesus sits at the right hand interceding on my behalf and pleading the blood of Christ. He comforts through our Father. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you that, and hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath sent me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the very work's sake. We find comfort today. First of all, we understand the path of comfort is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment as we summarize very quickly. This world is quickly unraveling. I think it's very clear from Scripture, comfort is not something we only need when we're discouraged or our heart is hurting or grieving. But we need the comfort of peace in troublesome times as well. And we'll only know that through the path to comfort, having a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to understand there was a price to comfort. Jesus Christ died on the cross that he might be that balm in Gilead, that he might bind up the brokenhearted, that he might be a comfort to all that come. He says, come unto me, all ye that are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants to mend your broken heart today. He wants to prepare you for the future. And then you'll experience and know the particulars of this comfort. You'll understand what it means to have comfort through your faith. That's when your faith is real. Not just a lip service, not just saying I believe, but literally having a relationship with Jesus Christ that brings a comfort to our heart because we believe in God, we also believe in Christ. He comforts through our future. Knowing we have a heavenly home, knowing that when our eyes close in death that they will open in eternity is a wonderful comfort. He comforts through our foundation. 
Knowing that we have done what the Bible says and put our feet firmly upon the rock, which is Jesus Christ, is a wonderful comfort because if we wake up one day and we find that we are not in heaven and we have done everything that Christ has told us to do, then God is a liar. But God is not a man that he should lie. God is not, is not, it is impossible for God to lie, the Bible says. If you'll trust in Jesus Christ as the way and truth and life, you'll have a foundation in your life that'll see you through right up to heaven. And he comforts us through our Father today. And it's good to know that you can go boldly to the Father because of what Jesus Christ has done. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Their heads bowed and their eyes closed. And maybe there's one say, Preacher, I don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ that I ought to have. There are some here today that may not be saved. You've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you were to die today, you don't know for sure that you'd spend eternity in heaven. You just don't know. You can know today by entering into a relationship with Him. The Bible says, These things have I written unto them that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that ye have eternal life. It's a promise of Scripture. We just need to follow the Bible way. Is there one here say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I, I don't have comfort and peace in my life. I, I'm not prepared to take on what the world's throwing at us this week simply because I don't know Jesus. Would you slip up your hand and let us pray for you? My prayer will not save you, but I want to ask God to help you to know Jesus Christ. Is there one? Is there one? Maybe there's some here today say, Preacher, I, I don't know that comfort and peace either because... Though I have a surface relationship with Jesus Christ, and though I'm saved, I, I don't walk with Him daily like I should. I don't know that peace that passes understanding. And I, I need God to deepen my relationship with Him. I need to spend more time in the Word. I need to come unto Him. I need to make an effort in this relationship. Is there someone across this room say, Preacher, would you pray for me? I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I won't call you out. Amen. See that hand. Is there others? Yes. See those hands. God, help us today, each one of us. Father, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to have that relationship that when the storms come, we know that Jesus is right there in the boat with us. That we can just understand that the master of the seas will say, peace be still. And so, Father, I pray that you strengthen each of our faith and our walk with you today. And Father, as we Come through this invitation time. Would you move upon our hearts? We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So piano plays, if God has spoke to your heart, this altar is open. Would you step out and come?